Alright, praise the Lord. Good morning. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Alright, Galatians chapter 5. This is part 9 of our study in Galatians. We're picking it back up where we left off. And I'm going to start in verse 13. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be what? Anybody have that? To be at liberty or free. And that's, uh, boy, that's my favorite word, right? Free. Hallelujah. You were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to this. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will become destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Listen to this. They are in what? Conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now I pray your anointing upon this word. Oh, Father, that you would uh, preach it through me mightily, Lord. Lord, you would take all of the um, that is me, Lord, and remove it from this message. And Lord, I pray that you speak by the power of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, right now speak to every heart uh, in the sanctuary, every heart that's listening online um, and on the live stream. Lord, I just pray that your Spirit would move upon your word and do what it's accomplished and sent to do, Lord. In your name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. So the title of my message is The Battle Within. The Battle Within. How many know that today and every day of your life, there is a war that is waging inside of you? There's two kingdoms that are battling inside of you. In fact, uh, they're both, did you see where it said there, they're in conflict with each other. What do you think of when you hear the word conflict? War, battle, fighting, striving with each other, some kind of battle. If you were in conflict with your brother and sister, what were you doing? Probably, at the very least, verbally having a spat, but probably some type of fight, right? And so this is a conflict that's very important to understand because this is the battle Um, that we've seen happen from the beginning of creation, but it's inside of you. And we have to win this battle. How many know that? Is everybody awake this morning? I hope everybody's awake this morning. Because the Holy Spirit has assembled us. He's called us into this place to hear His Word. You say, oh man, I don't know. I just thought I was here to hear you speak. Hallelujah. How many know we need to set our sights a little higher? We've been assembled a holy assembly by God to hear the word preached and that's a big deal this morning 
And so God is trying to tell us there is a war waging in you, and this is the war that has been waging since the very beginning. And you say, well, how long ago? The Bible says that there was a war in heaven. And it says, I seen like lightning flashing across the sky, Satan and all of the angels that rebelled against God were cast out of heaven. How many of you know his name was Lucifer at that time? He was an angel of light. He was at the throne room of God. He was worshiping with everybody else and God blending right in. And something happened. He was cast out of heaven. And guess where he ended up? On the earth. He became Satan, whose name means the adversary. The rebellious one. The one that is making war and rebellion against God. And who's the first person he looked up when he got in the garden? That couple that was there. That were perfect in God's presence. They were created. God said they were good. And all of a sudden, now the battle was being waged with man and with woman who are our ancestors. How many know that? And so now the battle became a very real thing in the garden. And the Bible says that battle um, of good and evil, that battle of following the Lord and following the adversary is very real. And this is saying that that battle is inside of us. And so Paul, in chapter 5, let me give you just a little background here. In fact, I recommend that you read the entire chapter because it's this sermon is about the entire chapter 5 of Galatians. But it says in verse 1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So what is this all about? What is this whole gospel thing about? Why do we go to church on Sunday? Why do we do everything that we do in the name of the Lord? It's for freedom is why God did this. God wants us to be free to do whatever it is that He's called us to do. He wants us to be free to do it. And whatever Paul's talking about here is going to stop us from doing what the Holy Spirit wants you and I to do in our lives. Hallelujah. Whatever the enemy is doing here, because listen to what Paul says. Stand firm. Then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now we don't, we see that word yoke and we don't know what that means. All we know is maybe an egg yoke, right? That's not Y-O-L-K. Okay, that is a yoke and if you were a farmer in that period of time, you would know exactly what that is. It's something that is put on an animal's neck and they have to pull the weight of it and they have to work all day under that yoke. And he's saying that don't let yourself, he says, stand firm in what I'm teaching you, which is the freedom by the Spirit in Christ Jesus. Stand firm on that because if you don't, there will be a yoke put on your neck and that yoke will be too heavy for you to carry. And so he's warning us not to put, let the yoke be put on our neck. And he says, mark my words. When Mark, when Paul says mark my words, He's saying, listen to me very carefully. Very important thing here. Mark my words. My eyes get better the higher this gets. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man... 
or to every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You're trying to be justified by the law, and you have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Do you hear this? Paul's being very serious here. He's saying that the religious people are trying to get you to do a religious observance. And if you become religious, you are going to fall away from grace. You're going to be alienated from Christ. And Christ is going to mean nothing to you at all. He's saying, watch out. Mark my words. Don't be religious. Follow the Holy Spirit. Do what I'm about to tell you to do so you will survive and you will make it to heaven. Paul is giving us a path to heaven in the following verses if we'll listen to him. And then he says something here that you might overlook, but we need to understand what this means today. It says in verse, chapter 5, verse 5, it says, and I really want you to listen to this part, but by faith, we eagerly wait through the Spirit for what? We wait for what? You gotta hear this this morning because a lot of people have studied the Bible and studied doctrine and have never understood this. And because you don't understand this, it's really damaging your walk with the Lord. What are we waiting for? We eagerly wait through the Spirit. Very important. The righteousness which we hope. Do you understand that is a future thing he's talking about here? You say, well, I have the righteousness now through justification by faith, right? So when we were saved because we believed, we believed that we were receiving His righteousness. And because we've received His righteousness, He's going to look at us and He's going to see us as perfect and our sins are not going to be held against us, right? But that's by faith. If you have something by faith, what do you have in your grasp yet? And this is a point you have to understand. Justification by faith is my faith that I will be justified in the presence of God and am justified in the presence of God. Sanctification is where God is making me perfect over the course of my lifetime. But here's the one part of salvation a lot of people miss. It's called glorification. And this is hope for the future. Because here's what's going to happen. Either you're going to die or you're going to be caught up in an event called the rapture where we're changed in a moment or the twinkling of an eye. One of those two things are going to happen. And if you have faith in Jesus Christ, guess what's going to happen before you go to the judgment seat? you got to catch this, church. I'm going to get down here because maybe you'll listen to me a little better. I don't know. Listen to me very carefully. Only those who have faith are going to be changed. Right now, if you have your own righteousness, you have a garment on, the Bible says. A garment of righteousness. And the Bible says that garment is so filthy... It's like a filthy rag in the presence of God. There's nothing you can do to make it worthy to stand in His presence. Right? And it says, you have to receive my righteousness. And at one point, God gets angry. He says, you came to the wedding feast with the wrong garments on. 
And see, this is the future righteousness that Paul's talking about called glorification because when I die or when I'm caught up in His presence, if I'm so fortunate to be that generation, I'm going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And what will I be changed into? A perfect being. That means my old rags are gone, my righteousness. And through faith, only through faith, He's given me a new garment instantly. And now, Chad, it's time to go to your judgment. And so now I walk into my judgment and I look better than Cyril looks this morning. I've got new righteousness. How many know when you get a glorified body, you're not capable of sinning anymore? Now, how would you like to go in the presence of the Lord still being a sinner? How would you like to go to the presence of the Lord being a sinner and having your own righteousness? And so what the Galatians were trying to do, first they were pagans. How would you like to be a pagan that lives in unrighteousness, has no righteousness of God? They were pagans formerly. That's not going to work in God's presence on the day of judgment. That sin is not going to work being a pagan like the Galatians were. But then they got saved through Jesus Christ. They were washed in His blood. They got the promise of righteousness. They're going to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. They're going to be glorified in the presence of God. And they're going to be worthy to stand in His presence. But then the religious people said, Hey, put on this garment of your good works and just just clean up the garment. Just try to be a better person by the law. Try to be a good person. And God says that is a filthy rag. And if you try to dress that up, you try to clean that up, you try to wash that garment up, you're going to stand in presence of God and you're going to be more lost than you were before. You're going to be more fooled, more deceived than you were before. But God says have faith in a Holy Spirit that one day is going to change you in the moment of a twinkling of an eye. And if you have faith and you stay on the path that you've charted with Jesus Christ... You're going to be changed in church. That's what's going to happen. We're going to be changed and given a perfect body that cannot sin. And if I don't have faith in that perfect glorified body, and the only way I got it is because he died and he was the first. And because he was the first, Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15 says, because he was changed and he had a glorified body, then we will be changed like he was changed. We'll get a body like he has, and his righteousness will be our righteousness. His body will be our body. We'll be glorified. We'll be fitted with a new garment, and we can stand in the presence of God with perfect righteousness because we're going to be changed by faith, not by works. And Paul is saying if you quit believing that, and you start trying to clean the garment up through your good works, you're going to miss the hope of glory. When we say glory, what do we mean? We're going to have a body that is in the glory of God, perfect in His presence, like Jesus Christ. He said when you see Him, you'll be like Him, is what Corinthians says. Hallelujah. Do you see what Paul's preaching here? It's different than what the religious people were preaching here. And Paul's saying, I'm warning you. If you go and start practicing religion, and you miss faith through the Holy Spirit, 
you are going to miss heaven. Very serious here. You are not being led by the Spirit. In fact, do you know that Romans 8.14 says, As many as are led by what? The Spirit of God, they are the children of God. And so that's what Paul's going to begin to explain to these Galatians is, here is how you actually need to walk. Don't be a religious person. Don't join the religious group. He's saying you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And if you're led by the Holy Spirit, you're going to be in Christ. Because He glorifies Christ with everything He does. And so he goes on in verse 13 and 14. He mentions two paths here. And it would be very easy to miss this. He says, brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled. Keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So he begins to mention two paths. And I want you to picture, if you can, there is a path to heaven that's narrow that leads to heaven, right? Jesus said that, didn't He? There's a narrow path, few there be that find it. And there's a wide path that leads to destruction. So Paul is saying, brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but don't be one of those people that uses freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather be one of those who serves one another humbly in love. For the entire law is kept by this one command, love your neighbors yourself. He says, but if you bite and devour each other, watch out. You will be destroyed by each other. So there's two paths here. Do you understand that he is explaining that there is a religious group of people that are biting each other and devouring each other. There is a religious crowd, hear me very carefully, a religious crowd that is going the way of selfishness. There is a pagan crowd, a worldly crowd, a lost crowd that is going the way of selfishness. In fact, he gives a list of what that road looks like. He says, The acts of, fle- of the flesh are obvious. That means we should be able to see what this selfish group looks like, right? This religious, selfish, pagan, lost group looks like. This road that is wide and leads to destruction. Here's what it looks like. They are sexually immoral. Well, how is that selfish? Selfish. Do you see the selfishness in that life? How that is not a loving one another life. That is not a life that um, lives by the one great command, love your neighbor as yourself. But a sexually immoral life, you say, well, man, how is adultery selfish? How is adultery selfish? How is fornication selfish? How is... All of these sins selfish. But the Bible is saying this is contrary to what the Spirit wants. Impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. Hatred. Now I can understand that. Every person you hate, you don't want to help, right? 
You don't want to love them if you hate them. It's the opposite. How about discord? That's just not getting along. I don't want to get along. It doesn't matter. I don't want to get along with people. Discord, jealousy. Wow, this is not the Holy Spirit? He's saying, no, this is that road that they're going down. And look at the group that's going after Paul. I mean, oh, they're after Paul. In Galatia, this is a region, Pisidian, Antioch, Iconium, Derby, Lystra. Read in Acts chapter 13, 14, I believe, Paul's trip to the Galatian region, which is southern Galatia. It's the uh, southern part of Turkey now. Paul was treated pretty badly, and these Judaizers, these religious people, uh, they didn't seem to care about anybody but themselves. They wanted to bring followers to their religious uh, things. They wanted to bring people that would come after, follow them, and didn't really care about the people that much. How many have ever met religious people that are like that? They want to go after people. They want to make sure people pay the price. They want to make sure there's discord, fits of rage. How many have ever seen a fits of rage? How many have ever seen selfish ambition? How many have ever seen dissensions, factions? How many have ever seen envy? How many have ever seen drunkenness? Orgies and the like. You say, was that word in the Bible? It's in the Bible. So i got to read it on Sunday morning. Right? And the like. That means the list is much longer. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is all in Galatians 5. So Paul is trying to explain there's two paths here. And you'll recognize the narrow path Because they love their neighbor as themselves. You say, well, what does that mean? That means that if I truly care about my family, would I want to have sexually immoral behavior in my life? You say, well, it's a victimless crime, Chad. Pornography is a victimless crime. Let me get down here again. I'm afraid people are going to fall asleep because I'm so boring. Pornography is a victimless crime, right? That's what they say. But how many know the sexually immoral word is porneia, which is where we get our word pornography. And if I truly love my family, I won't want that in my life. That's selfish. Everybody agrees. Sexually immoral debauchery, which is another sexually immoral word, I would not want that in my life if I care about my neighbor, would I? I wouldn't want to be an immoral person. I would want to lead them to a purity, right? Lead them to Christ. Lead them to a Holy Spirit that's trying to lead me down the right path to heaven, right? Then you look fits of rage and anger and dissension and factions. and Do you see all this ugliness? In fact, it's the Greek word sarks, which is an ugly word. It just means that All the selfish behaviors going down one road and then the other road is the Holy Spirit. And so that's the road Paul wants to take us down. He said, no, you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so he goes to the next section and he said, here's the two paths. One is the way of love, loving your neighbor as yourself because you can fulfill all the commandments. How many know that? Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and love your neighbor as yourself you can fulfill all of the commandments of God if you pay attention to those two. You can hang all the law and the prophets on those two. 
So we see the wrong way to live. We see the right way to live. So now how do I, Paul, walk? And I want you to see this. We may look over this and not recognize the confidence that Paul has here. Verse 16 says, So I say. So is summing up everything that he said so far. So on on the basis of the fact that you could go the wrong road or the right road, the selfish road or the loving road in your life, Here's what I say you do. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Do you see how, do you see how confident Paul is there? He doesn't say there is a distinct possibility. You know, there's a good chance. There's a 90, 10 chance I would give it that you won't gratify the desires of your flesh. What's the desire of the flesh? That whole list I wrote, sexual immorality, debauchery, um, fits of rage, and he didn't even complete the list, he just said etc. When he says and the like, that's their way of saying etc. Those kind of things. Paul says, let me give you some other translations of that Greek because you'll see how sure Paul is here. Uh, The Berean Literal Bible says you should not gratify the desires. The New King James says you shall not fulfill the lust. New American Standard says you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Uh, I like this one, NASB, you will not carry out the desire. Okay, listen to the Amplified. But I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit, seek Him and be responsible daily to His guidance, and then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and His precepts. Did you hear that? You will not. If you walk daily with the Holy Spirit, you will not. You will not. And you say, Chad, back up on that because I'm still fulfilling the desires of my flesh. Paul and the Word of God says you will not. And the reason we're not is because we're not walking with the Holy Spirit. How many agree with that? Either Paul is lying here or we're not walking with the Holy Spirit daily. Because if we do what Paul says, he says you will not. It's very definite there. It's not a 90-10. It's not a 99-1. It's a 100%. We will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Um, let Let me tell you this. The fact, when we talk about walking in the Spirit, the fact... That you have a desire, or you have a conflict. And this is very interesting. The fact that you have a conflict and there's two hostile forces within you. How many know that is an indication that the Spirit is at work inside of you? You say, well man, I've got this conflict and I keep losing. How many can honestly say that? I'm going to raise my hand just so you think you'll understand Christians can raise their hand on this question. Everybody look around and say, it's okay for Christians to raise their hand. I was lying. (laughs) Okay, go on. I'm sorry. We've all lost the battles, right? The war is waging. Some of us have lost the battles. And we can all say we have because we're not perfect. That's why God, Christ died for us. But the fact that there is a battle says that there is a conflict with the Spirit and the flesh. Listen to this quote. I'll find out where it's at. Martin Luther wrote this. The wicked do not complain of the rebellion of their flesh, 
or of any battle or of any conflict because sin reigns mightily in them. That was worth it to look for that one, wasn't it? Let me say it again. The wicked do not complain about a rebellion of their flesh and a battle or a conflict because sin reigns mightily within them. When you become a believer and you're on the road to heaven and you've got the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is given when a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ. When the Holy Spirit is present, there is going to be a fight. There is going to be a battle. There is going to be a Holy Spirit that is going to say, walk this way, follow me, go this direction, go follow the Lord, follow me. I'm I'm leading the way to Jesus. I want you to bear fruit in your life. I want you to grow in the Spirit. I want you to be safe in the shelter of Christ. How many have felt that battle in your heart? Now the wicked sometimes feel bad. Sometimes their conscience says, I feel bad. I shouldn't be living this way. Maybe I can turn over a new leaf. But there's never a war with the spirit and the flesh. There's never a battle. There's never a conflict. There's never a, I want to live. If you're a child of God, let me, let me explain this. If you're a child of God and the goal of your life is not to live by the spirit every day to win this conflict. In fact, the language in 16, Language in 16 and 17, let me go back and read it, indicates that we can't be a neutral party. Listen, so I say, walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Because the flesh desires what? The flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. Have you ever met somebody that's contrary? You say, man, everything I say to that person, you can count on it. They want the opposite, right? Have you ever met a contrary person? You say, well, I'm, I'm that person. Don't preach on me, all right? If you're a contrary person, no matter what anybody says to you, you want the opposite, right? So the Bible says the flesh wants exactly the opposite of everything the Spirit wants. And you say, well, man, I hate those kind of people. But the Bible said it's inside of you. That's the battle. The battle is the spirit wants one thing. The flesh is contrary and wants the opposite. And you can't be a neutral party. You've got to get up every day if you're serving Christ and you've got to say, I am not neutral. In order for God to win this battle, I've got to decide I want to follow the Spirit and quit following my flesh. Hallelujah. And so that means that terrible list that nobody wanted a part of, that list that said... The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexually immoral behavior, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, etc. I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you got to understand... It's at war inside of you. Those ugly things that I just read are going to fight with the Holy Spirit for your life. It's going to be battling for ground. And what's that mean? That means that you're going to have a situation where somebody says something to you that is offensive to you. 
And boy, when we're offended, that flesh just screams, you've offended me. I am so offended by you. How could you speak to me that way? How could you talk to me that way? How could you possibly say that to me? How how possibly could you act that way? And how many know the flesh is all worked up? You say, that's not true. Well, how do they have fits of rage? How are their dissensions? How are their factions? How are all these terrible things? Because the flesh doesn't like what you said. You say, well, that's you too. Yes. How many know the flesh and the spirit are at war within each person? It doesn't say some people. It's at war inside of you. And so what does the flesh say to do when I've been offended? What does the flesh say to do? How many have ever heard the voice of the flesh? And it sounds a lot like your voice. You don't have to take that. You don't have to take that. Some of you love that voice. You're like, that's just how I am. I don't have to take that. You're right. I don't have to love them. I don't have to work with them. I don't have to be nice to them. Don't you hate wicked people that listen to those voices? Well, you is he. You is her. Right? Pardon my bad English, but you are that person. And there's a voice called the flesh that is always counseling you. And it's always based on your own understanding. And what's the Bible say about our own heart and our own understanding? It leads to destruction. You say, but Chad, you don't know how smart I am. Paul is trying to tell us there is a battle inside of you that is waging. And if you want to have the fruit of the Spirit, you better stop listening to the flesh. So what does the Spirit say? Love. Love covers a multitude of sins, Chad. How many have ever read that? And what's the Holy Spirit saying? Christ died for that person. That person's in the image of Christ. You need to love that person. You don't need to go back and be angry at that person. You don't have to go after that person. You don't have to show that person is a bad person. You don't have to attack that person. Because Paul said if you go down that road, you're going to be biting each other and you are going to destroy each other. Ouch. Man, Chad, I thought when you read that that was for the wicked. How many know that the works of the flesh are always fighting with the Spirit inside of you? Right? Okay, let's say that I fail. Let's say that I'm trying to keep the law like these Galatians said to do. If I just keep the law, I'll clean myself up, I'll be better, I'll present myself. Let's say that's the plan, to be a better and a better and better person. I die in the presence of the Lord. What's it going to say? Not enough. But if I trust in Christ, I'm led by the Holy Spirit, I die and go in the presence of the Lord. How am I looking now? I've got a new body. I can't sin. I look like Christ because I've been given a new glorified body and all is well. I can present myself in the presence of God because I had faith 
in God's plan to give me a new body. How many understood glorification? We've got to understand it, church. We have faith in the fact that we're going to be changed in a moment and we're going to be able to stand in His presence. Hallelujah. Now let's say we fail. What does the flesh say when you fail? Give up. How many have ever heard that voice? It sounds like your voice. Or it may sound like your mom's voice or your dad's voice or your boss's. I don't know what it is. But when you fail, it's like you're bad. You're condemned. Go away from God. You're a failure. Right? And so what does that cause you to do? It causes you to go back to your old idols again. Food. Somebody said, well, I don't know about that. You know, some people go to food for security. You say, well, I'm holier than that, Chad. I don't go to food. Some people go to material things. Or money. Or if I buy this or if I buy that or if I do this for myself and you know or if i get those that pornography or if i get that alcohol or if i get that joint i'm just saying all these gods these are gods that we have before god and it's because the flesh again is worked up the flesh said you failed god doesn't love you he's condemned you Go back to what makes you feel good, right? Nobody ever loved you. Nobody ever cared about you. You're lonely. You're isolated. Take care of yourself. Nobody cares about you. And can I tell you, that is the flesh crying out again. The flesh is crying out. But what's the Spirit say? He loves you. You're His child. He died for you. He wants to bless you. He died for your sins. He died to help you through this. He's walking with you every day. You're not alone. You're never alone when you have Christ in your life. Christ is enough. Be content in Christ. But no, the flesh is saying, no, don't listen to that. Pamper your flesh. Do something good for yourself and your flesh and make yourself feel better about you. No. I need to hear from the Lord. I need the Holy Spirit to encourage me. I need the Holy Spirit. How many know the Bible talks about fellowship with the Spirit? Hallelujah. And so this is the flesh crying out. And the flesh, this is why you can't serve Christ unless you're led by the Spirit of God. It's very difficult to serve Christ. Walking in the Spirit, I wrote down here, means fighting a war between the Spirit and the sinful nature. Hallelujah. Let me give you a few more things. Are you able to identify what is the Spirit in the flesh? Can I ask you that? Do you have enough of a relationship with the Holy Spirit to tell the difference? How many have ever justified your behavior based on something the flesh told you to do. Like when you said, you don't have to take that. How many turned that into a very noble cause to go after somebody? Do you know that you can convince yourself that the flesh is right? And remember those two roads I talked about, being led by the Spirit and being led by the flesh? 
How many know that you can completely abandon the Holy Spirit and you can start going down that road of the flesh? And Paul is warning you. He's saying, mark it down. If you don't listen to what I'm saying, number one, you're going to destroy each other. And number two, you're going to abandon Christ. Did you hear him say that? You'll be alienated from Christ if you go down that road. And, and he's saying, be very careful because how many know you can go down the road of listening to the flesh for a long time? You can take a temporary break from God and the Holy Spirit and you can say, you know what? I'm going to be angry at the world. How many have ever done that? Again, I'm going to raise my hand just so I'm not the only Christian. I don't want to be the only one. How many have ever said, man, I deserve this. I deserve to be mad. I deserve to feel sorry for myself. I deserve to be offended. I deserve to have a fit of rage. I deserve dissension. I deserve to lead a faction. I deserve a little alcohol. That's drunkenness, you know. I deserve, you know, to do what I want to do sexually. I mean, no, we can listen to the flesh and go down that road, but Paul was warning, you keep going down that road, you'll be alienated from Christ. Because the Holy Spirit's leading where? Leading to Christ. Obedience to the Holy Spirit is leading to Christ. And you say, well, man, am I lost when I go down that road? You're heading that direction. You're being alienated from Christ, it says. And the Bible also says there, and there's lots of different interpretations of it, but it says you're falling from His grace. Isn't it amazing that Paul says that there? Then he goes on. Here's some really interesting things to look at, insights into walking in the Holy Spirit. How to win this battle, because Paul's very confident we're going to win. He says, you will win. You will not fulfill the desires of the flesh if you're led by the Spirit. So some very interesting things to look at in verse 18 and 22 that shed light on how to win and be walking in the Spirit. In verse 18 it says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. See, that's that fit of rage I'm talking about right there. Thank you. I asked her to do that for me. A fit of rage, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Verse 18. Did you notice this is a passive voice here? If you are led by the Spirit. Do you notice what it doesn't say? If it weren't the passive voice, it would say, follow the Spirit. Saying, be led by the Spirit. I mean, no, that's different. Being led by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we picture the two roads as two freeways, highways, two roads, a fork in the road. And we've got this car that has its own independent engine powered by us, right? And I've got to follow the Holy Spirit. But because it's passive voice, it's more like a train that has a locomotive. And it powers the entire train. 
And that train is leading to Christ. And that train always heads the direction of Christ. And let me give you another example. Verse 22, it says, But this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So he goes immediately from walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, and then he gives the example of a tree that is bearing fruit. And most people think that the reason Paul uses this analogy is because what Jesus talked about in John 15, 4 and 5, it says, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he is the one who bears much fruit. So Paul goes from walking in the Spirit to here's how you do it. You're led by the Holy Spirit. That means if all I do is just know who the Holy Spirit is and listen that he's the locomotive that's steering my life. You say, well, man, I gotta keep up with him. I gotta rev my engine up and find the Holy Spirit and, and, and catch up with him and do the work and bear fruit and do all this stuff. No, all you have to do is just pray every day and say, Lord, I abide in you. Lord, I trust you. Everything you tell me in life. So that means when you come to the point where it says, I'm offended, you pray. And you say, what should I do? And the Lord says, be gentle. Be like me. Be gentle. Don't be offended. Offended brother is harder to win than a walled city. Just be gentle. Be calm. Be nice. Be peaceful. Be loving. Be all those things. And you're like, the flesh rises up and says, no, that's not me. That's not who I am. That's not how to deal with it. That's a dumb way to deal with it. But see, the Holy Spirit is trying to lead you. Try to say, be gentle like your master. Put on, what did Jesus say? Put on my yoke. You're going to have to wear a yoke in life. So what do I want? Do I want the yoke of wickedness where I get to do what I want? That's a yoke. Do I put on the yoke of the law, which means my good deeds will get me to heaven? That's a yoke. That's heavy to carry. Or do you put on the yoke of Christ? Just quit getting yourself so worked up all the time. Say what? You're saying it's easier for me not to be mad? Yeah. His yoke's easy. Why aren't you mad? They said this about you. They did this to you. They did this against you. Why are you not mad? Because his yoke is easy. But you should be mad. Everything in you says be mad. Everything in you says get back at him. But the Lord says don't. And so if I'm led by the Spirit, I'm hitched into the locomotive and I'm not mad. But you should be mad at your childhood. Well, who says that? My flesh? You have a right to be mad because so-and-so did this to you. Your mom, your dad, your aunt, your uncle, your grandma, your grandpa, and you're 60 years old and you're still mad at something somebody did to you when you were 10 years old. And I'm not making light of it. I'm just saying His yoke is easy. Forgiveness isn't for them. It's for you. Love, joy, peace. Well, I don't want to be joyful. 
Why? Because I had a terrible day. Because I got a terrible employer. I got a terrible job. I got a terrible life. I got a terrible house. I got a terrible car. I got terrible kids. I got terrible parents. But his yoke's easy. What's he say to do? Have the joy of the Lord. It's my strength. And the Holy Spirit's saying, hitch on to me. I'll lead you right to the presence of the Lord. And you say, man, that's too easy. Joy, peace, love. Well, I don't want to love them. You don't know what they've done. My yoke's easy. You ought to love them. But I want to be mad. I want to be angry. I want to walk in the flesh. I want to walk in selfishness. I want to do what I want to do. Man, I have a right to love who I want to love. I want to live this gay lifestyle. I want to fornicate. I want to, I want to sleep with as many girls as I can. Do you know there are people that live this way? That's what he's talking about here. That if you listen to the flesh, you'll live these ways. But, but I should be able to commit adultery. My wife doesn't, doesn't, you know, meet my needs. But do you know the Lord is saying, that's the flesh, all those things. They're not loving. They're selfish. Saying, take my yoke, it's easy. You go down those roads, you know how hard your life is going to be? You know how difficult your life's going to be? Lord's just saying, be obedient. Hitch on to me. Take my yoke, it's easy. And Lord's saying, you go down this road and you stay on this road, there's going to be a bright light one day. And in an instant, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, either I'm going to die and I'm going to be in the presence of my Savior forever. And it says I'll never leave. I have a new body. I can't sin. I'll be perfect. Judgment can't judge me anymore. I can't be condemned because I have a new body. Hallelujah. How many know you're going to have a new body? Some of you didn't understand justification by faith because you didn't realize you're getting a body that can't sin. How would you like to stand and be judged based on a body that can't sin? The Lord's going to look and say, man, look at you. You're like my son. You're perfect. You're in a glorified body just like my son. You're perfect. Your sins are washed away. There's nothing on your account. Church, we got to get a hold of that. That 5-5, that five, five, Galatians 5-5, five, five, was the best morsel that I gave you today. That's better than anything you had for breakfast today. You get a hold of that, you'll live your life different when you realize I've got to be on the road where I'm changed in a moment, in an instant, in a twinkling of an eye, a new body. Read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's what it's all about. I'm on that road and Paul's saying, Don't let anybody get you off that road. Because if you get off that road, there's no change, there's no new body, there's no justify, there's no righteousness to hope for. It's just your filthy rag standing before God. I don't want that. How many don't want that? Hallelujah. Worship team, come on up. I'm going to read a final story here. How many want to hear my story from a Cherokee Indian? And you say, oh no. Oh no, he's walking the edge here. But I like it. It's a little different than Galatians 5, but it's telling the same story. Listen to this. It says, one, in, one evening an old Cherokee told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside of people. That's what we're talking about today, right? He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside of us all. One is evil 
Anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority. Listen to that list. I like that list. One of them is anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other one is good, and it is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, Humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandson thought about his words for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf wins the battle? And I think some of you know the story, right? The grandfather replied, the one that you feed. Whichever one you feed and you say, well, why do we go to church on Sunday? Why do we read our Bible? Why do we have a prayer life? Because you've got to feed. You've got to know the Holy Spirit. How many know that? If you don't know the Holy Spirit, if you don't know the Holy Spirit, you know they were standing outside the gates in Ephesus, a bunch of people, and they said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you've been saved? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you've been saved? And they were talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because everybody, the Bible says, receives the Spirit when they're saved. In fact, Jesus said that it's like the wind. It's going to accomplish all these things in your life. You don't see it. It's invisible. But the Holy Spirit's doing all this work. But Paul asked the question, have you received the Holy Spirit since you've been saved? Have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How many know the Holy Spirit can be residing in your heart and you don't even know who the Holy Spirit is? The Holy Spirit is what Paul said we need to be led by, guided. It's what makes us the sons and daughters of God. And those people replied and said, We know not that there even be a Holy Spirit. How can I be led by the Holy Spirit if I don't even know that there be a Holy Spirit? And we need to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit every day of our life. Do you know I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 10 years old and He's never left me? I pray in the Spirit the whole time I'm in the sanctuary. When I leave, when I'm at work, I'm praying in the Spirit. And how many of you know human words stop at some point? And I've got to pray in the Spirit. And if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to be seeking that with all of your heart. You need to be saying, I need to know the Holy Spirit more than any person that I know in this world. You can't say to yourself, I didn't even know that there'd be a Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, we got to know the Holy Spirit. I like what Dr. Cho said. We were talking about the other day. Dr. Cho said the change, the thing that changed his ministry as a pastor. In fact, uh, he's the largest pa- uh, pastor of the largest church in the world. Over a million people. And he said, one day I was praying over a scripture that said the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And how many know that word is a word that is a business term, koinonia. It means fellowship or partnership. And he said, up until that point in my ministry, me and the Holy Spirit were not in a partnership. If the Holy Spirit sent to teach you all things, tell you all things, lead you to the glorification where we can stand in the presence of God and give an account properly, if He's all those things, church, we need to be baptized 
and the Holy Spirit. We need to be a part of this partnership that we have with the Holy Spirit. And so he started saying, hey, good morning, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to say today? How do you want me to feel about this situation? What do you think about what just happened? How many do that? Something happens in your life and you say, what do you think about the situation? You say, well, man, Chad, I don't have a ministry in the church. I mean, the whole, how, I mean, no, oh, the pastor is not the giver of that. The Bible says that every person has a gift to offer to the church, and it's through the Holy Spirit. How I many of the Holy Spirit gives gifts? If you know that some Santa Claus was living in one of these houses, and he gave away gifts every day, how many would be at the door saying, where's my free gift? Or how many of local retail store would say we're giving away free whatever. You don't even care what it is. Let's be honest. You don't even care what the free gift is. It's just you're in line to get the free gift. Well, the Holy Spirit gives the greatest gifts and nobody's in line to get it. I'm just telling the truth this morning. You say, well, close so I can go home. The Bible says don't go out and preach the gospel unless you've been endued with power from on high. That means the Holy Spirit's going to fall upon you and you're going to do great things. You're going to do greater things than I've done, Jesus said. And it's going to be through the Holy Spirit. He said, i got to get out of here. i got to leave so I can send the Holy Spirit. So church, how are we going to do anything if we don't know the Holy Spirit? How are we going to operate in the gifts if we don't know the Holy Spirit? How are we going to ever have the power of the Holy Spirit in our city if we don't know the Holy Spirit? And so that's why Paul, Paul was actually giving a teaching on the Holy Spirit. You know what he had the nerve to say? I speak in tongues more than you all. Why would Paul say that? Because he was trying to explain that I received the power of the Holy Spirit and I operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So he went on to say, he said, desire the greater gifts. You say, well, man, I I like speaking in tongues. Well, I want to desire the greater gifts. I want to prophesy. You say, well, that'd be great if I could prophesy in church. It'd be great if you could prophesy at work. It'd be great if God said, hey, I've got a special assignment for you today at work. Here's a word, and it's for that specific person. You say, well, I don't know the Holy Spirit that well. How many know you can? How many know you can? Church, we need to be at this altar seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, seeking a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. We need to have fellowship daily with the Holy Spirit. we got to be hitched on and being led by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. How many know what I'm talking about? Church, this is the hour that we need to know the Holy Spirit or you're going to be alienated from Christ. Paul says it right there. Be led by the Spirit or you'll be alienated even to Christ. You won't make it without the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Church, let me remind you of one thing. How many know that on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have prayer? If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm going to make those official baptism of the Holy Spirit nights. You say, well, man, I want to know the Holy Spirit. I want to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to get on Tuesday night. Eddie, is that right? We need to get in those prayer meetings, start crying out 
to be closer to, to know who this Holy Spirit is. He's sitting on your couch. Just imagine this. He's in your heart. He's doing all kinds of work in your heart. He's sitting on your couch. And every day you walk by and don't care to say hello. You don't even know who the Holy Spirit is sometimes. He's there, but he's not really respected, not really leaned upon, not really talked to. How would you feel if you sat there every day at the dining room table and every day people went by and never talked to you? You said, I could talk to the Holy Spirit? Read the book of Acts and do this for me. Read the book of Acts and just read everything that's attributed to the Holy Spirit saying or doing. The Holy Spirit told them to do this. Holy Spirit told them to do that. Holy Spirit said this. Holy Spirit did this. And just go through and see every time the church was being moved by the Holy Spirit. And church, we got to cry out for the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Can we do that? Hallelujah. Let's spend some time in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, we dedicate this, these moments to you, Lord. We dedicate our prayer meetings, Lord God, our prayer time at home, Lord God, that we can know you more, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. If you need prayer, if you, you want to cry out for the Holy Spirit, I'm not, I'm not, going, I'm not going away, am I? <laughs> nope. If you want prayer, we want to lay hands on you. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we want to lay hands on you and pray for you, anoint you. We want you to have more of the Holy Spirit in your life. We want you to have more influence, more direct contact, more operation of the gifts, more of this fruit just naturally growing from that sap that's flowing through the vine, which is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Lord. You know, in the time of uh, Abraham, so, oh wow, he's closing, he's going all the way back to Abraham. Time of Abraham, God called Abraham to a desert and made promises to Abraham. And Abraham, by faith, began to dig wells. What kind of fool would go to the desert and dig wells? Abraham. And do you know that every time he dug, they probably laughed a little harder? I just want you to picture a man digging wells in the desert. All right? But God said there's water there. And so he kept digging through the dirt. He dug five wells, I believe. Now, what we don't understand is, unless you have a well, you can't live and prosper in the land which God promised. And so we want revival. We want to live in the land. We want, to, we want God to move in the land. We want God to do great things with our kids and our family. We want to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. And how many know when Abraham died, the enemy came in and filled it in with dirt again. And the Bible is very clear with this picture. The dirt symbolizes the flesh. 
And the enemy didn't want Abraham to live in the land. He didn't want the promise to live in the land. Can I tell you something, church? We are called to dig wells. We are called to pray, 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 pray till the well opens and God begins to move in a community. I mean, no, God won't move in this community until we get to the water. The water's right here. The moving of the Holy Spirit is right here. You say, well, why don't they hear it? Because we haven't hit the water yet. We got to dig through the flesh to get to the water. We got to dig through the flesh for God to even move in this church. You say, well, what's the flesh? My selfishness. Our selfishness. God's got to break through that. God's got to break that down. And you know, Isaac was a well digger. Jacob was a well digger. They all were. They all learned how to dig because they knew it was there because of the promise of their father. And because our generations have had revival, guess what I know? Guess what I know? Same thing you know. It's there. It's there. You know, 20 years ago, this altar would be full of worshipers. Things have changed in 20 years, church. If you can't see that, then you don't have your eyes open. We got to get hungry for more of Him. It's there. Revival in this community is here. We got to dig. We got to pray. We got to seek the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we quit, if we keep digging and we keep going after it, how many know it's going to open up one day and we're going to be lapping it up? We're going to be dancing in it. We're going to be moving in it. God's going to change lives in this community. But we've got to pray. We got to be faithful to seek. God for revival. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Yes, sir. Pastor Chad has the right word today, and it's it's on, but we're not listening. We're not listening. It, uh, yesterday, Ryan and I had this talk, Ryan Shelley, about the man who... Uh, wasn't willing to give up his fortune to follow Jesus. He was willing to do everything right, but he wasn't willing to get rid of what was most important to him. And uh, this morning, Tracy sang a song over in Henderson, You Revived Me, and it says, I spend myself until I'm empty and poor. Yeah. We're not willing to spend ourselves. We're not re- willing to get rid of ourselves. It's that selfishness Pastor Chad's talking about. We're not willing to do it. We're not willing to say, I'll give it all. I don't care how tired I am. I'll give it all because you know what? Until you get rid of it, he can't refill it. Right? What we're hungry for is comfort. What we're hungry for is for God to give us provisions. What we're hungry for is the stuff he can do for us. We're not hungry for him. We're not hungry for what he can do. We're not willing to spend ourselves. We're willing to spend God. We're willing to say, hey, Pastor Chad, why don't you go do this? Why is something not happening? Why is Pastor Chad not doing something? But why are we not doing it? Why are we not doing more? Why are we not giving ourselves? Right? And I know that's offensive to some people, and you're like, well, what a jerk. I don't care. It, uh, I don't know. Every day I wish I could do more, and I, I long for that. As Pastor Chad said, every day we should be praying, Lord, 
I want to give more. What can I do? What can I do? Lord, I need your help. But when we wake up, we're like, Lord, I need you to provide this. Lord, why is this not changing? Lord, why are these people not doing this? Why is our church not doing that? Stop asking those questions. Ask what you can do. Ask what you can give up. Lord, how can I spend myself until I am empty and poor? Until you're empty and poor, He can't do anything with you. I promise you that. My brother Cyril and I ended up over in a park on the north side of Evansville yesterday. You want to know how we ended up there? Because we were praying and Cyril knew we were supposed to go to the north side. On our way, he knew we were supposed to go to Walmart. When we got to Walmart, we knew we were supposed to go to a park. And it was only because we were emptying ourselves of our whole thoughts. And that's the only way God can use you. It's the only way he can use you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray for hunger. Hunger for the things of God. Seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added. God wants to make us hungry and thirsty for more of Him. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, we love you, Lord. I pray the power of your Spirit be upon your people, Lord. I pray that you build a hunger, Lord. Father, a desire, a hunger and thirst for more. Oh, Father, we're not satisfied. We want to see more, Lord God, of you in this community, Lord. Father, we want to see every stronghold broken. Oh, Father, we want to see the power of your spirit in families and in lives, Lord. Oh, Father, we want to see your people hunger again, Lord. We want to see the altars full of worshipers, Lord. Oh, Father, people hungry, Lord. Lord, we've seen them so hungry they were worshiping in the parking lot, Lord. Father, restore that again, Lord God, a hunger for your spirit, Lord God. All right now, Holy Spirit, begin to move in your people. All do it, Lord. In your name we pray. We thank you, Lord. Everybody said, Amen.